Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Hello. How are you? Uh, I'm a little hyperventilated because I was um, out on Smithfield doing battle with the Pittsburgh Parking Authority. And, uh, you know, you never win with the app. All right, never mind. That's not your problem. That's my problem. And it's one of those little, I remember reading an article once that said uh, that the stress that ends up sort of killing you is not the big stressors. <laughs> you know, it's not losing your job. It's not getting divorced. It's not a death in the family. It's the Pittsburgh Parking Authority app. Yeah. You take those little ones and you add them up, 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 and they're killing you. All right. Take a deep breath. Hang on, hang on. In through the mouth and out through the nose. Wait, yeah. Well, that's not true. What did I just say? Never mind. All right, so I really am flustered. Okay. So Amy just told me about a little blurb that she saw on Twitter, which is chilling and uh, reflects back to uh, an item I had shared with you weeks ago. And that was about how facial recognition uh, techniques are already being employed in China uh, in, in law enforcement in ways that are not, as far as we know, being done here. So that I think the story I had was something about um, they can, through their cameras, which are all over the place, zero, if someone's honking their horn in their car, they can like zero in to find out who's honking the horn and find them. I mean, just like bizarre stuff where you're literally under surveillance every moment and they can identify you. They don't need a license plate. They, with all the cameras, and you know, we got a lot of cameras now too. They zero in, do facial recognition, and you're, you're caught. Amy said she saw a piece today that in a crowd, a concert crowd of 60,000, the Chinese looking through the crowd of concert goers, bang, in that all those faces found one and got them. Jeez! Okay, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, if you think that's not coming to a place near and dear to you or close to you, you're uh, you're nuts. Pretty much already kind of sort of here, although there we're 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 nowhere near doing what the Chinese are doing. But I mean, even we've talked before about you walk into a Target, and uh, Target immediately knows you're there. They're not using facial recognition. They're using your, your phone. 
and they can start sending you stuff to direct you to <laughs> to they immediately start working on you well so it can be used commercially like that but it can also be used by the authorities so speaking of the authorities in China I came upon this today this is unbelievable because the Chinese have uh, rescinded the one child uh, a couple uh, rule uh, there are a lot of Chinese couples who would like a second child but who are maybe not as fertile as they used to be so sperm banks are uh, popping up all over the place and there was an advertisement for one sperm uh, bank where they were advertising actually for donors and they made very clear the kind of guy they wanted no bald men need apply no men who were colorblind and only men who have good ideological thoughts <laughs> this is to donate sperm wait okay good ideological thoughts who love these are the quotes who love the socialist motherland and support the leadership of the Chinese Communist Party <laughs> this is uh well I was gonna say something crude and I I will not that is an advertisement for a sperm bank like I mean like sperm carries ideological thoughts I mean what do you I mean what kind of ridiculousness is that and apparently uh, you know the Chinese people despite the fact that they're living in this big total big brother nightmare uh, they push back all the time and no sooner had this ad come up than uh, it was widely mocked you'll be glad to hear on uh, social media and uh, with withdrawn so I guess that's that's what passes for good news oy, oy. Um, I'm not going to comment further on this but it is horrific here is a it's the worst headline I've seen in a long time and it's in your Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and um, in the local section and this is the headline attorney to be tried on charges he had sex with puppy look for further details at your own risk I assure you and while we're on sexual things and animals let me I'm just trying to keep some level of a kind of coherence here to these stories I'm peppering you with uh, the uh, zoological society of London has uh, come out with its latest list of endangered reptiles uh, they call this their edge of extinction program and one of the one of the uh, species on their list uh, is in I mean there are very few of these uh, beings alive but it also made the list because it is according to the Brits evolutionarily distinctive you bet it is here's why it happens to be a turtle <laughs> and it's a turtle 
that has green mohawk hair. I mean, right away, I love this turtle. I don't know. He has green mohawk hair is what it says. They don't have a picture of the turtle. Um, and it uh, is from Australia. And it said it is very, I mean, it's unlike any other living being. It broke off from other living species 40 million years ago and went off on its own little lark to uh, get a green mohawk and and um, and it turns out it also develops special organs and here's why it ends up in the New York Times because this turtle why can't I find the actual name of it because it's probably got some name that you don't you can't pronounce um, Oh, it's easy. It's called the Mary River Turtle. The Mary River, M-A-R-Y, Turtle. And with its green mohawk hair. But you know what else it can do? It can breathe with its penis. I'm just saying. There ain't no other animal, feathered or or any, or furred, or anything that can do that. So let's hear it for the Mary River Turtle. This is not its main way of respiration. It is a backup kind of respiration. I mean, that in itself is amazing. Do we have a backup kind of respiration? Nah, no. But this turtle, if it needs be, if it need be, can submerge itself for up to three days and breathe through its genitals. That is pretty damn neat. And it's, you know, it's going the way of the dodo bird, apparently. So I thought we should at least know about it before it disappeared altogether. understand why publishers think it's a good idea to let all this stuff and let the books out before they you can buy them and then have like the Comey thing is what I'm talking about but it happens all the time and so he's doing interviews and all the cable shows are talking about it and they're only going for the good parts right they, and listen to this and and so if you take in all of the publicity why buy the book is my question. I, I would think that would depress sales. I mean, I just, I'm thinking I would, well, first of all, I wouldn't have bought the book anyway, but I mean, I think we're getting all the good stuff now. Because when uh, TV folks and print reporters wade through it to write about it, they're not writing about the blah kinds of, passages. No, they're going for the good stuff. So I don't understand why that sells books. I really don't. Because you, I mean, you already know it. Anyway, I don't know. It's confusing to me. Oh, and speaking of that, uh, our dignified uh, president 
has uh, been heard from already, of course, this morning on Twitter, uh, responding to all of the publicity that uh, Comey is getting. And uh, here is the president's tweet from, (laughs) what have we come to from this morning? This is the president of the United States. Just try to remember that because, I mean, think of any other president, any other, even the ones we vilified in the past or made fun of or called a crook. Or I, 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 just think of any of them and not one of them would comport themselves, even to a small degree like this buffoon. Listen, here is his tweet from today. The president. James Comey is a proven caps leaker and liar. Virtually everyone in Washington thought he should be fired for the terrible job he did until he was, in fact, fired. He leaked Caps classified information for which he should be prosecuted. He lied to Congress under oath. He is a weak and untruthful slime ball who was, as time has proven, a terrible director of the FBI. His handling of the crooked Hillary Clinton case and the events surrounding it will go down as one of the worst botch jobs of history. It was my great honor to fire him. Uh, Will someone please tell this clown that it is he who is going down in history as one of the most extraordinary, if there is something beyond worst, botch jobs in the history of this country. Oh, dear. Oh, you guys sending me pictures? Of my turtle. Oh my God! It does. It looks like it's got grass growing out of the top of its head. It's bright green. It's bright green. It does. It looks like. In this, this the science uh, blog calls it a a punk turtle. <laughs> oh, that headline is this punk turtle. Aw, that breeze through its butt is now officially endangered. Well, it's not its butt. Oh, how weird. And it's got it's got green, there's a little green tuft coming out from under its eye, too. Well, ain't that cute. But it definitely has a big nose, so it generally breathes through that. It has wide nostrils, it says right here. Fingers on its chin? What? Oh my God. Um, Amy is sharing the picture, this amazing picture with you on our Facebook page, okay? Oh. The Mary River Turtle's unique looks are what has doomed it. 
us. Enter Homo sapiens. Enter Homo sapiens. Obviously, an extremely popular pet because of how outrageous it looks. Every year for 10 years, over 15,000 hatchlings were sent to pet shops across Australia. And after years of pillaging all of the turtles' nesting sites, we have, let's hear it for us, successfully driven this amazing species to the brink of extinction. Says its lineage stretches back to the age of dinosaurs. No other turtle in the world is even closely related to it because it diverged, as I said earlier, 40 million years ago. I mean, to put, they say, to put it in perspective, humans only diverged from chimpanzees less than 10 million years ago. This wondrous-looking animal diverged from all other turtles 40 million years ago. It has a super long tail. Two rows of, like, fingers. They're, they're tubercles, it says here, under its chin, which allow the turtle to feel around a riverbed. But it's fingers coming out of its chin. And they say it can breathe through its butt. The mer well, what is it a butt or is it a penis? Not the same thing. It has gill-like structures near its rear end. What? That allow it to breathe oxygen underwater. Uh, okay. Its struggle is far from over. Uh, it's not only threatened by humans, but it also is threatened by feral animals, cattle grazing, water quality. How much, almost all of this is human stuff. And if we lose this species, it will be absolutely our fault. Oh, don't lose it. He's so, I just love this thing. Made my day. Almost made up for the Pittsburgh Parking Authority, but not quite. Um, I can't believe the New York Times is so stupid that it runs a story and doesn't put a picture. Uh, and a, a color picture, because other it, it, you cannot make it up. Laura writes, many of the descriptive words in Trump's tweet sound like he was describing himself. You know what? That's exactly what he does. He accuses, you know, he calls Hillary lion Hillary. Who's the liar? He call, he's always projecting. It's just, it's just bizarre. Projecting onto others what actually references more, more accurately himself. It's true.
Laura says she's enjoyed the shows this week. Well, thank you very much. I have too. And she also thinks the turtle's cute and tells us that the green hair is from algae. I suppose so. It it ingests a lot of algae and it turns its hair green or something. But it's green. Wow. Anyway, who knew? I bet none of us ever heard of that thing before. And I'm I'm so happy. Uh, I'm staying to animal stuff. We move now to pandas. Another Chinese. It's still China and animals. I'm I'm pretty much, except for that one Trump thing. Yeah, pandas. So pandas, of course, also are threatened. And why are they threatened with extinction? Number one. <laughs> uh, yeah. Human beings. Human beings destroying their natural habitat, which is in China, and forest, and uh, yeah, we've uh, we've 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 encroached and encroached and encroached, and so. And the only reason it's it's sort of like the turtle. The only reason they they're getting our attention, unlike uh, unlike other animals, reptiles that that don't. The only thing that might save these guys, like the turtle, is that we find them cute. We are despicable. I just want to say, I just want to say, we're despicable, okay? Oh, it's cute. I guess we'll stop killing that one off. So, we have made efforts to breed pandas in captivity which is hardly what they would like but because we've taken their natural breeding grounds pretty much away there are now let me see how many are in the most recent Chinese census of pandas in the wild put the number at 1,864 that's it and that is up by a few hundred. So it appears that the Chinese have now maybe stopped encroaching on this very small territory that the pandas are allowed to roam. The captive population, of course, keeps growing. Uh, it has more than doubled in the last uh, 15 years. And there are now 500 uh, pandas in captivity in 20 countries. And, you know, if you think of a panda, what is your image of a panda? The cutest dang thing you ever saw. But what we forget is they're bears, guys. They are bears, okay? And in the wild, as cute as they are, they'll chew your leg off. I mean, I'm sorry, but they will. And um, you know what's weird? I, I said like we then, if we've, through our own greed, uh, have destroyed habitats of so many other species on this globe, the ones that we're inclined to 
say, oh, well, we got to stop killing those guys are, you know, what? Baby seals, uh, pandas, uh, punk turtles. Because if, I mean, the punk turtles is a little off off the mark because what we we are actually genetically programmed to want to care for any living thing that to us looks like a baby, that has baby-like features, and the panda does it. Wide set, large eyes, the seal cub does it as well, right? Anything that makes us go, oh, So if you're cute and we're killing off your kind, you got a shot, maybe. Because we go, oh, because we can't help ourselves. And an article in the Wall Street Journal uh, this weekend, last weekend, said baby pandas are basically, for humans, cuteness crack. I mean, name a human that doesn't melt at the sight of a baby panda. And I'll give you what? John Wayne Gacy, uh, Richard Speck. Uh, I'll give you a serial killer, seriously. I mean, they're just incredibly cute. But a lot of people are starting to argue that because of their cuteness, we tend to infantilize them and forget they're bears, okay? They are bears. And we're just clueless. The first time we started to like try to breed them was in the early 40s and we would they would capture uh for instance the Bronx Zoo got a hold in the 40s of a breeding pair of pandas. And try as they might these two, one was called Pandy and the other Panda. Pandy and Panda did not seem to you know, get it on. You know what the geniuses that the Bronx Zoo figured out years later? They were both female. And another uh, breeding pair uh, that came to the United States uh, right before World War II, so this would be even earlier. Uh, they were found to be <laughs> both male. Which, of course, begs the question, you mean you can't tell? Obviously not. So, in the days before genetic testing, telling a panda's sex was extremely difficult. And here's where the word penis is going to come into the conversation yet again. Because the panda penis is virtually indistinguishable from the female's genitalia. So, they look the same. Um, so, this article goes on to say, you know, we, we hear that pandas are very hard to breed in captivity. They just, I mean, it, it helps if you have a male and a female, obviously, but hard to breed. 
And and the reason is, I mean, would you want to breed in a in a cement enclosure with this other species coming in all the time and watching you? You know, I'm sorry. It ain't it ain't anybody's natural habitat to feel, you know, in the mood. And pandas are no different. And it turns out that their actual their way they mate in the wild in in their forested environment is uh is wondrous. And the male panda is extraordinarily potent. Its sperm, where did I find this fact? What is it? Its sperm contains, no, the semen contains 100 times more sperm than a human male. 100 times. And so because it has so much sperm, every time it mates, the odds of producing, right, a little baby panda are 100 times greater than, like, for us. And it turns out the male panda is so oversexed that it can, once it gets a female, uh, it says, have sex over 40 times in a single afternoon. Nothing here about how the female feels about that. Uh, and, oh, here's how the female probably feels about it. Here's one of the things that keeps the panda population down. So the males are like, you know, males. The female is fertile, guess what? Only two days out of the year. Two days out of the year and it's assumed that that is because the males were so adept at creating babies that the females had to shut down in many ways otherwise you would be knee-deep in babies that they couldn't in fact care for so There's just two days a year. So you can imagine in the wild how the male pandas are like going nuts. And listen to the way that they attract a female. They pee on trees. And they leave their mark. And Apparently, they go through incredible gyrations <laughs> to get their pee higher than any other male's pee. So the guy who manages to get his pee up on top of all the other panda peas on the tree is going to have access to the most females. Uh, unbelievable. So, and the reality is, is that the pandas we see uh, raised in captivity uh, don't behave like pandas, really. 
they do become infantilized um, and they are more pet-like. But in the wild, they are ferocious. And uh, in fact, when the Chinese released a young male uh, 10 years ago back into the wild that had been born and uh, raised uh, in a zoo, uh, in a preserve, they, they let him out into the wild. He was, that poor soul, just ripped limb from limb by the other real pandas. He didn't have a clue. He didn't have a chance. So there you have it. And this last piece, this is all, by the way, from a book uh, called The Truth About Animals. Um, we humans have bought into the narrative that the only way to save pandas and I'm sure a lot of other endangered animals that we have endangered is for us to take control. And the author of this book argues that, that we got it absolutely, totally backwards wrong. The way you save these animals is to let them take care of themselves which is something they can only do if we leave them the hell alone. Leave their habitats alone. Don't scarf up all their hatchlings and bring them to zoos. Leave them alone. They were doing just fine before we entered the picture. I'm depressing myself. So let's do the obit of the day, week. I haven't done an obit in a while, so and actually I have two. I'm going to make up for my lack of obituaries uh, recently. Uh, first, locally, although uh, this guy is internationally renowned in jazz circles, uh, Nathan Davis. Nathan Davis, who, I mean, the number of firsts that this guy created is, is mind-blowing. He came to the University of Pittsburgh and started a program unlike any that existed anywhere else in the world. He was the director of jazz studies at the University of Pittsburgh. And... Um, That became, I mean, it, it was like a pioneer, a total pioneer in educating generations of jazz musicians and aficionados. He came uh, way back when, um, a little about five years before I showed up in town, and he had intended to stay three years, which is exactly what I had intended to stay because that was my contract length. Three years, that must have been his contract length too. And the same thing happened to Nathan Davis as happened to me. We got seduced. 
And so he stayed at Pitt for 44 years. Um, he took the job in 1969, and he brought in, like, Art Blakey uh, and his band, the Jazz Messengers, came to play the Crawford Grill uh, in 1970. And Nathan Davis not only went up to hear him, but in fact had played with Blakey uh, earlier. And he went up and he sat in with Blakey and the Jazz Messengers. And while he was there, he got the idea to bring Art Blakey and the band to Pitt to talk about jazz, to be part of an educational effort. And so he asked him, would you come, essentially do a seminar? We can." And Blakey said, yeah. And so year after year, uh, Nathan Davis brought like really great musicians to Pitt um, and they taught. They talked about the history of jazz. They talked about uh, the actual, you know, the playing of instruments. And it always culminated in a, in a concert, a once-in-a-lifetime jam session. First Saturday of every November. I mean, this guy, Nathan Davis... He was a pioneer in bringing jazz to academia. He brought a national profile to the study of jazz. And by the time he retired, he had established a doctorate program here, one of the few in the country. And it is now attracting students internationally. He also created the Sonny Rollins International Jazz Archives, the International Academy of Jazz Hall of Fame, and he founded the Pitt Jazz Ensemble. Uh, Nathan Davis, by all accounts, not only a great musician himself, a remarkable educator and uh, indefatigable lover of jazz and spreader of the, of the word. He was 81 years old. One other, I don't know if you'll recognize the name Mitzi Shore. You probably have to be an old fart like me. I recognize the name, but I couldn't place it. Anyway, she did. But Mitzi Shore, dead at the age of 87, um, she is responsible for the development of a whole bunch of other entertainers. Uh, comedians. She had a club in Los Angeles called the Comedy Store. And she would have aspiring comics come in. She wouldn't necessarily pay them, but she gave them access. She let them learn. She said, I always felt I was running essentially like a boxing gym, you know, where a lot of wannabes would come in and they would develop their skills in front of the audience that we gave them and um, also know that people from Hollywood, television, and other creative people 
uh, were coming in to to take a look. So I mean, the boxing gym analogy is 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 really correct. So in the 70s, in the 80s, and even into the 90s, this was the place if you wanted to be a comedian. You had to go to Mitzi Shore. You had to go to the comedy club. I mean, comedy store. And listen to the list of those who came through and were nurtured by her. Richard Pryor, Robin Williams, Gary Shandling, Andy Kaufman, Elaine Boozler, Jim Carrey, Sandra Bernard, George Carlin, Sam Kinison. Johnny Carson also used the store as a talent pool for his searches for, you know, young comedians that then he would have on The Tonight Show. And that's where he discovered Jay Leno. It's where he discovered David Letterman. And uh, Letterman has said that uh, Mitzi Shore was at the top of his list of people who is responsible for his career. So Mitzi Shore, and I'm reading this and, you know, thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I sort of vaguely remember her for some reason. And then I see she was born in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And, you know, when you're a Jew in Green Bay, Wisconsin, you know every other Jew because there's so few of us. And I'm blown away. I just read this this morning, and it said she was born Lillian Seidel in Green Bay, Wisconsin, to Morris and Fanny Seidel. I don't, that's not a name I know, but I'm calling my mom after the show because she would probably remember Morris and Fanny Seidel if she didn't remember Lillian, who then became Mitzi Shore. Um, and by the way, yes, Paulie Shore, if you know him, is uh, is an actor and comedian who is her son. Okay. Oh, I gotta remind myself to ask my mom. You know how your pri- you know Pittsburgh does this too. You know when someone from your town is like famous. You brag about, don't you? You brag about, oh, yeah. Yeah. They're from Green Bay. Now, obviously, Pittsburgh has more bragging rights than a little town like Green Bay. But Green Bay's got some. The biggest being, in fact, Steve Jobs. Little known. But his birth parents, Green Bay. Green Bay. And my mom, in fact, knew his birth mother. And the birth father uh, taught at uh, St. Norbert College, where my family has endowed a piece of Justice Center. We're very connected with St. Norbert College. And he was a professor there when he impregnated Steve Jobs' mother and uh, pressured her to give him up for adoption. 
So that's how that went down. Okay. What else we got? Oh, this is somewhat serious. Um, governor of Mississippi, the great state of Mississippi, the governor of Mississippi has ordered the immediate closure of 102 bridges in that state. I mean, some of these bridges are the only place to get from point A to point B for some folks who live in Mississippi. 102 because, in fact, pressured by the feds, they are so dangerous, they are so dilapidated that they truly prove uh, public safety risks. And and since we are uh, in Pittsburgh uh, dealing with a highway that just collapsed, a bridge, part of a highway, that just collapsed into um, the valley below it. Um, we know here that so much of the infrastructure which we rely on is one little nudge away from collapse. And in the United States right now, uh, the Federal Highway Administration says there are minimally 615,000 bridges that should not be allowed to still ferry any traffic on them at all. And most of them are. So I don't know about you, but I start holding my breath knowing how dilapidated our infrastructure is. It's perfectly reasonable to uh, hold your breath going over a bridge. Of course, we can all rest assured that President Trump has said that infrastructure is one of his main priorities. Remember Infrastructure Week? Neither do I. I mean, there was. There was an Infrastructure Week, and it was overtaken by, as usual, who knows what at the time, but unbelievable news created by tweets of his and who knows what else. Um, but yeah, he's done absolutely nothing. And you know, again, if you go out of the country and travel a little bit, you come back to the United States sobered. Really sobered. About how increasingly we look like a third world country. I'm not kidding. Our airports? I mean, I just, I cringe when I think of when you fly back to the United States from Europe or from Asia and you fly into Kennedy or LaGuardia, usually Kennedy, and you get off and the airport is, I mean, it is an embarrassment compared to what you have experienced overseas. Our transportation system, total third world. Total third world. Our trains, ladies and gentlemen. Um, our highways. What else is third world in this country? Our health care system. Our educational system. 
our social safety net. Think about it. You can go and live in just a whole bunch of other places on earth and marvel and marvel. Most other, you know, we were talking the other day about how real soon you're never going to have to have to sign your name for a credit card purchase. Guess what? In countries all over the world, people have stopped signing their names years ago. They do everything with one card. Bang, 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 bang. Everything. Uh, okay, I'll stop. What else? What else we got? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I got this, and I have to respond to this guy. I have to tell you, this is such a riot. I got a email from a guy named Fred. And he writes me and he says, you know, that his wife and he have been listening to me for a long time and hope I'm well. And then he says this. In the olden days, you referred to your home state of Wisconsin and bragged about a manual snowplow that you could push with two hands. The curvature of the plastic blade neatly deposited the snow on each side of the driveway. After living in Bethel Park for 45 years, my wife and I moved uh, into Oakdale, a short distance above Bridgeville. And I guess this, uh, he seems to be suggesting that he has one of these, they're called snow eases, so he says, I have neighbors who are amazed at the snowplow and wondered if the manufacturer in Wisconsin still makes them. I look forward to your reply. I got to tell you, this happens every year, and it is now easily 15 years, maybe 20, since these things have been manufactured. But there are enough of them around, I have two, there are enough of them around that people, we use them because they're wondrous. And I have been stopped. Anybody who uses them has had a neighbor who has said, what the hell is that? How do I get one? And so that's what's happened to Fred. That's what always happens to me. And those of you who have listened to the show for a million decades will know that we're talk talking about the Snowies, which I ended up advertising for, which I ended up actually doing a video for, which I ended up being noted in the Wall Street Journal for. The Snowies. <laughs> it's a story that is so ridiculous as you know. I haven't told this story in a million years, and as far as I know, I might have actually forgotten half of it. But I might have been doing a radio talk show for no more than three years, two, three years. It was back in the 80s. And it snowed, and I had had my shovel out on my front porch, and I went out to get it, and it was gone. And I started my show ranting and raving. Somebody stole my shovel. Who steals a shovel? 
And some woman called and told me something or wrote me. You know, back then we didn't have email. We weren't. Um, I can't remember how she got in touch. I think maybe she I got a snail mail from her who said that while she was living in Japan, she had bought this amazing thing. And then she had, I don't know, found it again in the United States being made by a little company, not in Wisconsin, in Indiana. And she had ordered one from them. And she began to tell me, she said, don't buy a snow shovel. Get one of these things. You won't believe it. So she gave me a number. And um, I, I might be remembering this wrong, but I got one. It was mind-blowing. It was just this horseshoe-shaped thing that you pushed. And so it would just push the snow. It was so easy. It was a joke. And it left on the edges, scalloped edges on your driveway. You know, it wasn't a straight edge. It was scallops. Nice. Um, and I went on the show maybe weeks later and started to rave. I raved about this thing. I gave the phone number of the place. I said, you can get them for like 1995 or something. I don't know. And I don't think it was more than two hours later, and I was still on the air, that during a commercial break, the my boss came running in and said, uh, I just got a call from Indiana. Some they're fur What are you doing? What did you say about some... What are you, is there some like shovel or something that you're selling? What's going on? I said, I, I just, yeah, I was talking about. And apparently what happened is that unbelievable numbers of Pittsburghers called that place, which turned out to be this little teeny place in a little teeny town in Indiana, and deluging them with requests for what they called the snow ease. And the person answering the phone was taking names and numbers, and, and they had said, we're not in a position, we're sort of wholesalers here, we're not in a position to, we don't take credit cards, I can't help you here. And that price isn't really right, but okay, if you were told that. And the somebody called our station from the place and angrily told us to stop, cease and desist. And I said to my boss, the program director, I said, you mean this place is angry? <laughs> that we're driving a whole bunch of people to them to buy their product? Yes, that they were angry. Anyway, one thing led to another, and a smarter head in Indiana prevailed, and they realized they weren't angry. And um, the Wall Street Journal ended up picking up on this story years later because what happened was that that little place sent these snow eases, 
They're big things. You had to put it together. It just took two screws. Off by the hundreds and hundreds, two Pittsburgh people, before they got one penny. They didn't have the ability to take a credit card. And so they just said, okay, well then we'll send you a bill with it and then you pay us. Do you know not one person stiffed them after they got their snowies? Not a one. And then later, Snowy's got in touch with me and thought, geez, this woman sells our stuff better than anything we've ever had. So I became their major marketer. And man, we sold a ton of them. We sold them all over the place. But they were such a messed up outfit. They never got their act together. It's a much longer story. I could go on for five hours about this. It's also in a book. Um, Anyway, I still have mine. My mom's got one. My sister's got one. My brother's got one. I made sure all, I took care of all my people. Um, and mine's still going strong. But guys, there's no one who makes it anymore. So I'm going to have to disappoint Fred. I, at one point, had actually looked into uh, manufacturing them myself. Because <laughs> I thought, if you do this right, you could make yeah, you know, tons of money. This is the greatest thing ever. You know, do QVC, get them just really go. And it was too much of a, you know, I ain't no business person. And then it turns out the plastic, you couldn't make them in the United States for an affordable price. You would have to go overseas, blah, blah, blah. I saw it. I began to see, uh, you know, how the economy works or doesn't. But that's my first in, I think, a year, Fred. Uh, saying that he's got people wanting it. I mean, no. They're gold. I mean, if you got one, they're gold. And if you can figure out how to manufacture them cheaply, man alive, it is the greatest. The greatest! Just saying. Okay, I guess that's kind of it. It is. Thanks for putting up with me. And, um, oh, by the way, uh, Joanne Rogers has uh, gotten in touch, and and uh, we've rebooked. So we'll keep our fingers crossed. I think it's May 10th. Um, she'll be on. Okay? So uh, thanks. Go Pens. Have a great weekend. Enjoy this weather, because I think it's supposed to snow next week. Uh, enjoy the weather, and uh, I'll see you Monday. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.